welcome to another episode of TV Sessions. Uh, today we're going to be talking about episode three of season three of Succession titled The Disruption. Uh, my name is Gabe and my usual co-host Luke actually can't be here for today. So we have a new guest joining me. It was a little bit of a last minute change, but she's a big Succession fan. Uh, Kat, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Are you excited? Oh, I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So since this is your first time coming on, um, I just wanted to get a bit of your thoughts on Succession in general before we get into the episode. So um, when did you watch the show and like, what are some of your favorite parts? Like what, what really drew you to it? So like many people, I got into Succession during the pandemic as something yep. to do. Um, I, uh, I watched the pilot and uh, was pretty turned off by the characters in general and thought I don't know if I want to invest a lot of time into this and I uh I put it away and then about six months later because everyone was talking about how great it was I, I just I decided to go for it and uh push past the pilot and uh completely fell in love with the show and the characters and uh yeah it's just it's like top 10 in my opinion now all time eh? I think so yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd say so as well. I think recently I realized, yeah, it is top 10 for me too. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, but that's awesome. I actually watched it at a very similar time as you. It was like during COVID, during the pandemic, when people were binging a lot of shows. Um, I didn't actually drop it though, because I think it's just because I had so much time on my hands. And similarly to you, I wasn't hooked right away. I was like, that was an okay pilot. Um, but I did kind of commit to it eventually. And then I was hooked like mid-season one, I'd say. Yeah, well, I um, when I watched the pilot, it was actually pre-pandemic, and I got back into it during the pandemic. So I see. Yeah. So you like started to binge it during the pandemic, even though you had seen the first episode. I see. Well, me and my roommate bought this fifty-inch TV, and I was like, "Well, I guess it's time to watch some TV." So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's totally worth it. Um, did you watch any other big shows during COVID for the first time? Uh, not for the first time, but I rewatched a bunch of my old favorites, like The Wire. Um, I just finished a rewatch of The Sopranos, which is amazing. It's uh, awesome. so much better on rewatch. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I did a Leftovers rewatch. I did uh, some of my all-time favorite HBO and Showtime shows from back in the day. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, any uh, listeners out there who've listened to me and Luke, they right off the bat, they'd realize how similar our tastes are because we did deep dives on The Wire and Sopranos. And so this is why you're on. We, we have similar tastes. So it's awesome. Perfect. Um, okay. So let's get into this episode specifically. Um, actually, before we get into this episode, what do you, what do you think of season three so far as a whole? Like it's all, it, we're three episodes in at this point. Um, what, what are like some general thoughts on the first two episodes? I love it. It's interesting because this season, the pace is so high, like mm -hmm. we're just going and going and going. Whereas the first season was more of a slow reveal. Uh, mm -hmm. This season is just nonstop action. I mean, we start with plane rides around the world. Yeah. I mean, you can't get more transient than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I, I love the faster pace. Um, it's different. If it's, a, it's a change. So like the dynamics are slightly different. But now that I'm used to it, it's like, yeah, this is we're ready for these these big plot developments. And um, I think we can get right into episode three because we, we already talked about the first two um, in our earlier episodes. But I, I loved this episode. I thought it was like probably my favorite of the season so far. Um, there was just so much going on, a lot of big moves. Uh, the last episode was more slow character stuff, which is always great on Succession. But I love the combination when they can kind of have both, like you have all the great character interactions and then finally we're getting some big, big moves. Um, so I loved this episode. I was like fanboying like crazy during this first watch I had. I actually haven't rewatched it yet, but I really loved it. Um, what about you? What did you think of this one? 
Oh, absolutely. I felt the same way. It's uh, it's getting me really pumped for when uh, Kendall and uh, his dad are going to finally face off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also I, think this episode is uh, is really setting up what what's going to happen in this whole season. Like this is like the game changer episode. So yeah, yeah. I also agree. It's the best so far. Yeah, it was your favorite so far also. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's a good point that you bring up. Like, cause I, I briefly had that thought in this episode when that, that first moment that they find out Kendall's coming to the building in the back of my mind, I was like, Ooh, I want to see them face off. But then we didn't quite get that. This was more of like a Kendall versus Shiv episode more than Logan, but I'm sure we'll get some, we'll get some Kendall versus Logan stuff later. I'm sure. But it had me excited for that too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of the big, big developments that happened in this one? Like it was, it was, I'd say Kendall versus Shiv is a good spot to start. Um, you have those big moves that they each made. Um, are you on one of their sides or are you just enjoying the chaos? Oh yeah, this episode was definitely a Shiv v. Jeremy Strong episode. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Um, I actually think that the scene when they're at the event in the ballroom, when Shiv lays it out to him and she's like, if you actually want to make change, if you're real about all the shit you've been saying, then what we do is we team up and we work together from the inside where real change is possible. And mm-hmm. he completely discounts her. Mm-hmm. And that was the most telling part of the whole thing. Cause I honestly believe that uh, Jeremy Strong's character, uh, what's his name again? Kendall. Kendall, thank you. No worries. Um, his character, uh, she calls him on all his bullshit and how he's such a poser and that he doesn't actually give a shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just amazing to see. So in that sense, I guess I am kind of on Shiv's side. What about you? That's a good question. That's a good point. I don't think I'm on either side. <laughs> I think at the start of the season, I was full on team Kendall, but he's starting to really go off the rails here. Like he was off the rails in the first episode too, but I was still like team take down Logan, fuck Logan. But Kendall's plans and like his actions are just like so disruptive and chaotic and like he's just such a mess that he's starting to like get on my nerves a little bit too um I I wouldn't say I'm team Shiv though just because where she's gone this season is like making me realize she's kind of just as scummy as the the rest of her family because if you think about her character at the start of the show she was like representing a Bernie Sanders type guy (laughs) and now she's like full-on trying to like cover up rape at Waystar Royco. So it's like, she's still like the fact that she's support helping Logan so much, it still rose me the wrong way. Cause she tries to pretend she's good. But at the same time, I understand what you mean by in that scene, she has a good plan that she presents to him. But Kendall also offered her a good plan. I feel like in episode two, like I don't see how there was that much of a difference between what each of them are offering. So I, I would say I'm not really on either side even though I used to be more team Kendall. Oh, that's an interesting point. I haven't thought about that. Um... I think her plan was more realistic, more grounded in reality. And I think his plan was a little cockamamie and not that realistic, which is why I think no one was on board. But I do get what you're saying, where he does give her an out and she doesn't take it. Mm -hmm. And he gives him an out and he doesn't take it. So, I mean, where do we go from here? Yeah, just now we're going to get just full on chaos, I feel like, because there's just so much stuff going on. Like, um, what did you think of that scene where he sabotaged her conference? Oh, my God. Amazing. Are you kidding? Yeah. The fucking speakers were screaming, rape me. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, that was chaotic. I was I was on the edge of my seat when that first started happening. I didn't actually realize it was Kendall right away. I thought it was just like angry people in the company because they had that scene earlier in the episode where they had like a bunch of questions from the company that people were mad about. Like, so I was, I thought it was random people, but then obviously it was Kendall. <laughs> but at the same time, oh, I was like, 
Holy well, shit, here, this is crazy. Here's the thing. Um, there's like one quick line, and you may have missed it, where when Kendall is in that office and he has his lackey with him, mm-hmm. he turns to his lackey at the very end of that scene and says, um, write up a shopping list. And I think that what they're buying for that shopping list is those speakers, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, good catch. Good catch. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess on rewatch, it'll be more obvious. But yeah, <laughs> that scene was still, man, like, I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> when Speaking the speakers re- come in. Speaking of rewatch, I got to say, you can tell from the very first scene that Kendall is manic. Like, yeah. He is already off the rails in that very first scene. And you can tell how uncomfortable the, um, the person interviewing him is. Yeah. So that's why it's such a great arc. That's why this episode's so great, because there's a clear arc that mm-hmm. he is manic and it just goes up and up and up. Oh, and we have to talk about the good tweet bad tweet i was about like, to bring that up crazy. i was like because i was gonna say you're you're talking about his arc through the whole episode i feel like that one scene good tweet bad tweet like summed up his whole character for this episode because he's all hyped they're all like good tweet they're all like drinking having fun and then i think it's greg or no it was it was one of the media people reads a really like brutal tweet like calling him like like a depressed druggie or something and then he's just so sad and everyone's silent for like a few seconds and then everyone starts cheering again. So it's like he briefly, like the real broken Kendall shows his face for a bit and then he goes back to partying. But it was like a small snippet of his whole arc from the episode. Yeah, his whole thing throughout this entire episode is up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm wondering how um, how much drug use is going on behind the scene for this yeah. character and how Jeremy Strong is uh, portraying it. Because it seems like he is either like manic depressive like there's some like mental health issues going on or he is doing a lot of drugs yeah i'm curious yeah i i like that they're kind of leaving that ambiguous um luke and i actually on our first episode reaction episode when we were talking about the premiere we um like two or three minutes into talking about it one of us was like is he on drugs because <laughs> like he was just so manic that whole premiere episode he was so pumped up and like just like in people's faces and really obnoxious and we were like he's got to be coked up but like they never really confirmed it or denied it um so there's yeah it's 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 kind of interesting that they're leaving that up to our interpretation because they haven't really had any shots of him taking lines or anything it's true have we seen it this entire season i don't think so i think i don't think so there was a scene in the season two finale where logan says to him that he doesn't like him with that girl because he thinks like drugs and like bad influence and together so like it was implied he was on drugs in the season two finale but and that was like kind of right before the premiere so it's possible he just is and they're just making us assume that he is but you're right it's interesting that they haven't showed that at all yeah totally um yeah i have a lot more thoughts yeah i I will just say good tweet bad tweet is one of my favorite scenes in the whole show i was dying that whole scene me too it was so cringy like you can't look away yeah and even Greg's involvement was hilarious too. <laughs> oh my God, there's so many great Greg lines this this um this episode. Oh, I'm trying to think of the one that like killed me. Oh yeah, when um when he he gets that new office and he stammers and he's like, um um, it's not really great. <laughs> like yeah. that killed me. It's so yeah. funny. And also the stuff with the watch when he realizes that Kendall's not buying the watch, he's like, this is 40k. I have to pay for this. <laughs> Oh, all the watch stuff was so funny. When he when he was talking about how he's like the caretaker of it now, I was like, oh my God, this is like some rich people douchey shit. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the Twitter scene though, that also just reminds me in general, like I feel like this is the most like snapshot of today's social media landscape episode yet. Like, cause they had, they even had a shot of him when that talk show person talks about him. There's a shot of Kendall's Twitter account. Like they have a tweet 
on the TV. And like, I feel like this is the most Succession has like done in terms of like really like poking at like today's social media landscape. Like it was really like that talk show stuff too. Like it just felt like very relevant to today's uh, media world. Like it makes it feel very real, I feel like. Absolutely, yeah. Oh my God, when he goes and tries to see the writers, mm -hmm. they're just like, they, they're basically saying he has no self-awareness and that yeah. he's a joke and doesn't know it. Yep. And the way that Kendall doesn't, like, it doesn't compute with him and he thinks that he is, like, the toast of the room. I mean, it's just incredible. The writing is so good on this episode. Yeah, such good writing, yeah. I, I feel like uh, most of the audience was, like, we we were those writers where, where they're just, like, Jesus Christ, when he leaves, like, it's just, like, they can't stand the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was exactly. so hard to watch, yeah. I guess another thought I have, um, since we've been most mostly focusing on Kendall, um, I feel like I really liked Roman in this episode. He was more likable. <laughs> Oh, totally. I completely agree. When he when he talks about how um how like all the ideas that everyone everyone has is bad, and he's like, come up with better questions, and then he just makes up his own story. Like yeah. he basically is controlling the entire narrative. Yep. Yeah. And that's well, amazing. For sure. Yeah. There was there was a couple things he did that really made me happy. Well, the first thing it was kind of like a given, but the fact that he doesn't sign the letter that Shiv wants them to sign, him and Connor, I was like, thank you, Roman. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. And Connor, when he's like, when Shiv is like, well, what do you want? And he's like, I want to get my dick wet. And then Ronan's like, yeah, me too. I think she realizes that they, she has lost them and that yeah. she's not getting this letter signed no matter what. Yeah. I find Roman really interesting because it's like last episode, he's like, I'm not going to betray dad. Fuck you, Kendall. And then this episode's like, I'm not going to betray Kendall. Fuck you, Shiv. Like he's really like, feels like he's like the one trying to protect the family a little bit like he doesn't want to fully and alienate anyone where he's like completely switched so like he's trying to like kind of hold it all together a little bit which is just a weird thought considering how much of an asshole he is but he's also king of playing the middle and not taking any sides yeah so that's there's true. that too it is it's motivated like, i don't yeah. want to betray my dad or my big brother who taught me how to piss straight i think is one of the yeah that was but a he also doesn't want to take any sides and i think his dad actually compliments him at the end of the episode where he's like, right. oh, you didn't sign a day. Smart cookie. You're right. Yeah. Like he's recognizing that he sees that Roman is smarter than he lets on most yep. of the time. Yep. Seems like he's most loyal to Jerry at this point. <laughs> oh, Roman is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great development. Like the one person who's not in his family. <laughs> but um, I remember we were talking about before the um, season came on about succession, about what we want for season three. And I remember yeah. the thing I was most excited about was to see where that relationship was going. And we mm -hmm. haven't seen much of it yet, but I hope that we have a whole episode that's basically just Roman and Jerry. That would be, be awesome. I'm so happy. Yeah, that's something actually Luke brought up last episode, how like interesting it is that in season two, it was kind of like a comedic thing, like, oh, Roman and Jerry, this is hilarious. And then you come to season three and it's like a huge part of the story. It's like the main reason by why Roman didn't go to Kendall's side. It was like, no, I, I kind of want to stick with Jerry. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're in a they're in an alliance. They are in a survivor. I will not vote you off the island alliance. They Absolutely. are in it together. Yeah, and they have such an interesting and hilarious relationship. It's great watching them together. Yeah, totally. Speaking of Jerry, though, I, I have to say I do remember um, the ending of this episode, and like it was nice. Like it, she seemed so angry at Logan. Like it was nice to see her try to stand up to him for once. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jerry is also like the queen of not taking a side and being very down the middle. And I think that's why her and Roman have so much in common because they both just are like that. Yeah, Roman so learned her, from her. Yeah, exactly. 
So to see her actually put her foot down and be like, you're a fucking idiot. You have to deal with this. You can't just say fuck off to the FBI. Yeah, she obviously. says um, those are the ones who don't fuck off. Doesn't she say that? Right, yeah, exactly. Such a good line. Yeah. So good. Yeah, that was it was nice because Logan was such a dick. <laughs> like this whole episode, he's just like, tell them to fuck off at the beginning, tell them to fuck off. And then finally he's like, okay, we'll cooperate. <laughs> it was very you satisfying. Know you know what's funny? Him and Kendall are identical. They are so the same person. They have no self-awareness. They have no idea that they are these like all-powerful beings who can do whatever they want without consequence. Mm-hmm. Like they really are very similar, even though they're at odds. Yep. Which is why it's gonna be so good when they Which come is- together yeah oh i can't wait till there's a scene with both of them oh but but yeah that's what's so interesting is how um season one kendall was kind of like you're like they're always they've always been similar but like kendall's obviously softer like and like that's why Mm -hmm. logan says to him in the season two finale you have to be a killer son or whatever and like he finally becomes a killer and then you're right like at this point he's kind of just like logan (laughs) especially last episode when he just insults all of his siblings like crazy when he doesn't get what he wants like that's exactly what logan does he just uses people and gets pissed at them yeah Oh, another thing. It was amazing when Kendall actually apologized to Shiv for saying what he did in the last episode when he basically mm-hmm. says that the only reason you're relevant is because you have tits. Yep. Which was a great line, by the way. Yeah, like, oh last God, episode. That's so funny. So many good lines. Oh, it was yeah. a savage thing to say to your sister, too. Yeah. So the fact that he actually apologized, I was surprised. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what is that about? And that's funny, kind of he kind of dismisses her and realizes like she's there just to play him kind of thing, right? And that's how like the whole feud sort of starts. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess we can get into some of the stuff at the end because the, the, the last act of this episode was like one of my favorite sequences in the whole show. I was just loving every second. So one of the big things, obviously, is the talk show he's going to go on. And then I love how he finds out right before about the letter that Shiv wrote. And it's like he goes back into that manic depressive state, like the ups and downs. And then that long shot of him just walking with like the piano playing. I was like, God damn, this show is oh fucking my so smart. Oh. The theme, the slow piano theme was incredible. Yeah, it's so oh good. God. I think yeah. they had a similar, that, that mirrored a bunch of other Kendall scenes because there's a lot of Kendall scenes where it's like he's in broken depressive mode and they have that slow piano. I think they played that exact theme when he goes to give um, Logan the, uh, the bear hug in season one, in the season one finale when he's going up the stairs to give Logan that letter. I think they're playing that exact theme. So they use that whenever there's like a slow Kendall walk and it's like this person, this person is so broken. And then the fact that they hit that at the end of this episode, one of his most like broken moments when he reads that letter and like how, how brutal that letter is coming from his own sister. And then the piano comes in such a good scene. Yeah. So I did not notice that, that that was like the Kendall theme was the slow play of the theme song, but I'm pretty sure it it is. Yeah. So if I ever well, I'm sure I will. So when I rewatch the show eventually, I just did recently did a rewatch. So it's going to be at least a year probably. Yeah. But I'm going to look out for that. Yeah. Yeah. That slow piano they played a couple times. Yeah. That's just one that came to my mind was in the season one finale. I'm pretty sure they played that, but I think they played it more than once. It's just the slow piano when he's walking. I think they did it in season two as well before his press conference. I could be wrong though. Oh no, that would make sense. Yep. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the ending ending when the FBI shows up and then that was new music, I'm pretty sure. Like the last five minutes when those strings come in and the FBI's coming and Shiv's like looking at the TV and it's so epic and then it ends. Like that was a new theme and I was like getting chills. I was like, damn, they really used that new music really well. So great. And then that little denouement at the end where he's just looking at his phone blankly. Like there's almost no expression on his face. Yep. Because I think he's so like emotionally drained. 
mm-hmm. or maybe the drugs wearing off. I don't know what's going on in that scene, but he's just like stone-faced reading, reading about what's going on. I think, yeah, it's definitely a positive for him because now the focus is just going to be on the FBI rather than his sister releasing that letter about him. Like, I think it's definitely a positive for him considering he's going after his dad and now his dad's fucked and the FBI is investigating him. Oh yeah, talk about controlling the narrative. No one's going to be talking about the letter that Shiv wrote. Exactly. Yeah. Because I did but have that. take it back. Yeah, that's He true. has to live with the fact that she wrote that about her brother. I mean, yep. that has got to come up. Speaking yeah. of a showdown, that's going to be another showdown to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I got to um, make it more clear. I think I am still more on Team Kendall than Team Shiv, but I will say <gasps> Kendall. No, really? Yeah, because I... I there's just something about so much there's just so many scenes of Kendall like losing and being depressed and like he's just taken so many hits at this point that like I kind of want him to get his dad I want him to get his dad I really do (laughs) oh so when I say like I'm team Shiv I mean more like I I think where she's coming from is more altruistic from where Kendall's coming from okay that's fair I think Kendall is actually way more calculating in that he he really did this because it would benefit him, not because it was the right thing to do. And I think Shiv's plan of actually teaming up and trying to take them down from the inside and affecting change that way, I think that is actually the right call. So that's yeah. kind of why I lean more towards Shiv, but I get totally where you're coming from. This is Kendall's journey this season, I think. Yeah, I just feel like it's 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 partly, um, it's not necessarily I, I like him more. It's partly just, there's just been so much of like, Kendall broken during this show like the first half of season two after what happened in the finale when he's just his dad's puppet and he's just being used then he's the one who has to take the hit like I did have that thought in this episode when he's walking down the hall all depressed like do we need more of this like I feel so bad for this guy sometimes despite how much of a piece of shit he is so I just kind of want to see him get some sort of win and like I'm sure you would agree in terms of the Kendall versus Logan you're rooting for him so like I just feel like in that sense I'm ready for him to get a win I guess even though you're totally right. He's a piece of shit as well. Um, and I, I don't know if I agree that Shiv is like more honorable with her like choice there or if her plan makes more sense. I do feel like she's just as power hungry and she just likes the power. And that's why she joined the company in the first place and left her political career. It was, oh, my d- dad wants me to be CEO. Like, I feel like she's kind of just as much as a piece of shit, to be honest. No, I think you're right. I think we're, we're like splitting hairs here because they're all terrible people. Yeah. Like there's nothing really redeemable about any of them. Yeah, but I think you do have some sort of a point there that in this episode her plan was better than what Kendall was doing because like the first two episodes of the season Kendall's just talking out of his ass like he's just making shit up like he's just pumped and he's just trying to persuade people like I don't think any of that was real yeah we should probably talk about um all the Shiv and um and stuff with her dad because that was really interesting too there's so much in this episode like it was jam-packed this was a this this was amazing this is one of my favorite episodes of the whole show like I'd say maybe maybe a couple season two episodes are the best but like this one's almost on that level and it's only episode three (laughs) no I agree with you fully like the stuff with um Shiv and her dad was incredible because Shiv was trying to explain to her dad how serious this was and Mm -hmm. and um what's the dad's sorry I'm really bad with names what's the Logan Logan Logan, thank you August yeah and um and Logan was basically saying I'm a good guy I didn't do any of this stuff why don't you go out and say that and Mm -hmm. she's like well you don't really understand what's really going on and he's like oh it's not a big deal there were some women who who cried and like they felt we're supposed to feel sorry for them and then there's these like things with unions that we wrote off like what's the big deal and she's just so like 
I think mm-hmm. in that moment she realizes that her dad does not fundamentally understand what's going on. Yep. Yep. I would agree. There's um yeah in that scene I think there's a part that I really enjoyed where she was um Logan's like do you trust me? She's like yes. And then she like takes a pause and then she's like, on what? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's a classic case of like all the kids always say what they say, what Logan wants to hear. And they have so much trouble being honest. And like, finally she was able to be honest if she took a quick second. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's always like the initial obvious answer and then you take a beat and then there's like the real answer. The truth. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, that is an interesting development with her and Logan for sure. Um, her really like sticking it to him a little bit um it also reminds me of like this, the episode two stuff where Kendall's Kendall and Connor seem to be more like accepting of the fact that they knew about it the whole time whereas Shiv was the one who was denying it she's like I didn't know I didn't know and like I don't know to who be, to believe in that situation to be fair Shiv is the Shiv is not involved in the company yep although I guess Connor isn't either and he seemed to be fully aware of it so yeah but I guess he's older I think the thing is Connor's older so he must have like known more of like the types of personalities that would hang out with with their company and like with their dad and stuff so he kept saying something about like Mo and like his friends so I think they were all being honest where like Kendall and Connor did know and Shiv and Roman didn't but at the same time I could see a situation where they were just playing it off like no I didn't know we didn't know that's true because he's older he may have actually been around when this stuff was happening in the 80s so he may have a perspective on it that the other kids don't yep that's true especially roman because he's the youngest right roman is the youngest i think i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i believe so yeah yeah um that reminds me of another thing though that um of why i liked roman so much was i felt bad for him as well because he it's his job to talk like on tv about his dad and like he's trying to like think of memories and then he says something about fishing and then you find out later that was actually with connor and he literally didn't have one memory with his dad i know that was so heartbreaking yeah and i think logan calls him like a fag or something and it's like what a piece of shit you're the one who forced him to do this i know and i like that roman was like standoffish about it because that's Mm -hmm. one of those things that you can kind of play off as a joke and not take seriously but he actually was like wow I can't believe he said that to me yeah he was like straight up like what is wrong with you yeah this is what I mean like he was actually sympathetic in this episode and it's like man he's come so far because I hated him so much in the first season like he's just such an asshole despite how entertaining he is but like he's actually likable now to a degree compared to the other characters I gotta say, that's the reason why I stopped after the pilot the first time I watched it was because Roman's character and how he treated that little boy at the baseball game. Brutal. I found that so repulsive. I was just like, I don't know if I want to watch a whole season of this. Yeah, it's definitely an acquired taste once you get through those first few episodes. It's like, if you can handle it, then you're good. But like, I can see why people would be turned off. They're just such assholes in the beginning. It's like, why would I care about these people? But the writing is just so good that you just get hooked. And like, even though they're terrible people, you can still sympathize with them in in moments and in ways that like, it's enough for me, so. Yeah, and that's all thanks to good writing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then there's also just like the social commentary of it. Like it really is such a good look at like, this is the life of the top 1% of the top 1% (laughs) and how they're all broken people. Like, Speaking of, there's that line when Logan, again, there's so much in this episode. There's that line that Logan says when his wife is talking with the, I don't know if it's like a lawyer or a PR person. I don't know who she's talking to, but he comments that like every minute that they're around, it's costing him a million dollars. And I really like that that's how they reintroduced that character was that she would get some kind of financial gain by being with him Mm -hmm. because it just shows how on the level these characters interact. Like there's yeah. no like, 
presumption of innocence with them. Mm -hmm. Like they're all just corrupt, yep. shitty people. Like I think you're talking about Marsha, right? Am I right? Yeah, Marsha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I I remember last uh, podcast I said that where I was like I forgot about her because she was kind of absent in season two. She was very involved in season one, but she wasn't that involved in season two. And then I was like struggling to remember why was she pissed at him again? Oh yeah, because of like that girl Rhea. And then you're right, it's just all transactional she just sits with her lawyers and like this is this is what i want and then okay we can be together in the public's eye again speaking of Rhea, did we ever because i just rewatched it so this is still on my mind did we ever find out if they actually had an affair or not i don't think we did i think it was ambiguous yeah see that's great i love yep. that i love it too there's so many good ambiguous things where it's like they they try this is the sign of smart shows like all these hbo greats is like they treat their audience well where it's like you guys are smart you don't have to get all the answers fed to you like I love when shows do that <laughs> yeah also it doesn't matter because it didn't really matter about the uh, physical affair it was more about the intimacy that he was giving her and not giving to his wife exactly he was just so focused on her and like he clearly liked her and was like hanging out and talking to her and he valued her opinion and even that's too much for her yeah, well, I mean, and she also probably felt very threatened by it. So there's, it was a lot of layers. Yeah, there's a lot to that. Um, okay, well, one more thing that I feel like we haven't touched on is uh, Tom, because there was some really interesting stuff with Tom. Tom's one of my favorite characters. I don't oh know. Oh my like, God. Tom I, and Greg, I, man. Yeah, Tom and so Greg great. are great. Uh, we finally got more of them together. That first scene was hilarious with the cyanide pills, although that was in the trailer. I remember that was in the trailer. <laughs> Um, but it was still funny. Oh, was it? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I watched the trailer like over 10 times because it came out a month before the season. And I was so excited. So like there's a couple moments. Um, another thing that was in the trailer was when um when Shiv spits in Kendall's book. So when when Shiv walked into the office, I just knew she was gonna spit in his book because I remembered it from the trailer. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. I've watched it twice and I don't remember that. Yeah. Was that in this episode? It was in this episode. Yeah. Shiv walks into his office and then spits in his book. It's right after her conference, right after he sabotages the Nirvana scene like that. She walks into his office and spits in his book. You don't remember that? No, I don't remember that. That's so uh, funny. Yeah, no worries. Um, but I just remember <laughs> that was in the trailer. So I was like, oh, oh shit. okay. Yeah, that was like kind of the big thing she did to be like, okay, she's fucking pissed. And then like the letter comes out in like the next scene or two. So. Yeah, I couldn't believe she actually like cursed in front of cameras after that whole thing went down. Yeah. I was like, yeah. shit, keep it together until you're in your office or something. Damn. But I mean, she was yeah. fucking furious, so I get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, back to Tom. So I was saying, or I was thinking that it's pretty clear he's making some sort of move, right? Because he was talking to a lawyer really shadily after asking Logan about, because it seems like when he talked to Shiv and Logan, he was like testing them a little bit, like, oh, like I would go to jail for you guys and they don't seem to give a shit. They're like, yeah. <laughs> so like, it seems like he might make a move to me because he was on a phone with some lawyer and like, they didn't really make it clear what his plan was. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, you know what? Oh, you, you think he's working with the feds and he, he was wearing a wire when he was talking to uh, Logan? Oh shit. I didn't think of that actually. <laughs> that's... No, I just thought of it when you said that. That's, I, I don't know if he had a wire on him now, but I think it's more likely he's planning on talking to the feds because he was like talking to Shiv at first and he's like, okay, clearly like he's already pissed at Shiv based on what happened in the season two finale. And he feels yeah. like he's being used and all that. And then he's like, kind of knows Logan doesn't give a shit about him, but he gives him like another chance. Like, and they both say, Oh, thank you, Tom. We'll keep that in mind if you want to go to jail. <laughs> so like, yeah. he's like, okay, they don't give a fuck about me. And then there's like a really shady scene where he's talking to the FBI. So I feel like, he was or he was talking to his lawyer and I feel like his lawyer might have told him 
he's fucked pretty much. Like if they keep investigating Waystar, so he probably should like pursue other options. And the FBI is a good point. I feel like that could happen later. I don't think he was already wearing a wire, but I feel like he might end up making a deal to save his own ass because he's the one who covered up the papers. It's just the fact that we never saw the meeting. Yeah. That, and that's, that's another why I'm so dubious. Yeah, another example of the writers being smart and leaving things ambiguous and letting the audience make their own decisions. Because <laughs> yeah. you're right, like another show might have just shown what his plan was, but it's like, no, we want to leave it ambiguous. He's planning something, but we don't know yet. <laughs> it's interesting that he invited Greg. Yeah. And Greg didn't take him up on it. I, you know what I think? I think um, as much as this is something else that Succession does really well, is a lot of the comedic moments that are hilarious, they actually have real dramatic like implications so for example the hilarious watch stuff i have a feeling that actually pissed greg off and he might go back to tom now oh really <laughs> yeah just just because That's i feel like they gotta keep tom and greg together and i feel like kendall's kind of treating greg not like shit but he's kind of like treating him the way people normally do where it's like oh it's just cousin greg whatever whereas greg's literally the one who gave him the papers and he should be treating him he should kendall should realize he's actually really important and he hasn't really done that that's true. Like it's it's interesting because at first it was all about um, Greg and uh, uh, what's the husband's name? Tom. <laughs> Tom. It was all about um, Greg and Tom. Like the, they were like the dynamic duo, and now it's really like Kendall and Greg. Because remember, yeah. uh, Greg lives in Kendall's uh, apartment. Yep. Like they basically live together, right? They're. I don't know if they live in the same spot, but Kendall got Greg his apartment. Like he found a place for him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like the power dynamics there. Because you're right, Kendall should be kissing Tom's ass. But also, here's the other thing I want to mention. You mean Greg's um, ass, right? You yeah, said Greg's Tom's sorry. ass. Oh, no that's my bad. Just, just no, clarify. But the other thing is, we don't even know if the papers that Greg has are anything. Mm -hmm. They yeah. could be nothing. I mean, I no proof that they're real or not. There was a scene in season one, though, where he made copies. So I feel like that would be a little bit of a cheap move if they like misled the audience. Um, no, remember, so he makes copies and then later on in the season, him and Tom get together and they burn them. But doesn't and he Greg, keep one? He keeps like one or two pieces of paper. Okay. But that's it. That's true. So that in the folder at the end of season two, when he has that folder of papers, we're mm -hmm. talking one or two pieces of crumpled up paper. That's true. Is that enough damning evidence to take down Logan? Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right that the papers aren't as powerful as, as we've been led to believe they are. Well, we still don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. There's some sort of thing that Greg copied and they, they have some sort of relevance to the cruise scandal, but you're right. We don't really know exactly well, what they're. Two, Shiv asked to see them. Yeah. She's like, I have to see them. And Kendall's like, the only way you're yeah. going to see them is yeah. if you join me. Yeah. And then Kendall writes, fuck you on them and then leaves them out there. Do you remember that? No, but that's, that's was really a, funny. There was a funny little moment where he, um, he like played her where he told his assistant um, to like write fuck you on the papers and they weren't the actual papers. And then when Shiv's on the phone with Tom, she opens this envelope thinking it's the papers and it just says fuck you on them. Oh, that's funny. No, I yeah. did miss that. It was a brief moment in episode two. That was hilarious. Cause yeah, you rewatched episode three just now, right? Yeah. Yeah. See for me, what I always do is I'm tempted to rewatch it like soon, but then I wait till the next week. So I'm going to rewatch it right before episode four comes out. So like, usually I try to watch it on the Sunday night. And I'll rewatch last week's right before the new one. Cause I feel like that's the best way to do it. It's like so fresh in your mind. And then you're so excited for a new one. Well, since you told me about that, I started doing that. So I've been doing that for this season. Oh, you but have I've, been doing that. But yeah, you didn't, I have. So you watched it twice already and then you watched it again? 
No, no. So this is this is my second time. Oh, and sorry, my third bad. time was going to be before the next episode on Sunday, but I don't think I'm going to watch it a third time. Yeah, that's fair. I see you. <laughs> you just watched it already as a courtesy for the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate exactly. That. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like it's just the best. I love watching things live. Like uh, I miss it. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so great. But I got to say, I I do love to binge stuff too because I just did a a Sopranos rewatch and being able to get that story told back to back to back and the thing you have to keep in mind with the sopranos is they took huge gaps between seasons like yeah. i'm talking like two years yep so to be able to watch one season after another after another is awesome yeah did you say you finished the rewatch already i did yeah I wow i couldn't I stop watching it <laughs> i talked to you when did i talk to you like last week or two weeks ago you said you just started right yeah that's impressive well, I burned through it. The well problem done. with shows like this is that like once I start watching it, they're so good. I know. And I get so wrapped up in the narrative that I like every time it's like next episode, I'm like, yep. Yeah, that's impressive yeah. though. Like cool. Cause Sopranos is a really long one. Like that's yeah. I loved it on rewatch too. I don't think I watched it quite that fast, but I know what you mean. It's very tempting. There was a time, I think season season four or five on my rewatch where I watched like eight episodes in a day or something. <laughs> oh yeah. I wouldn't have watched it that fast if it was my first time going through. Yeah. But on rewatch, you can, and you, and also on rewatch, you're kind of looking forward to stuff. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh yeah, it's this episode. And then you like, you get so excited for you that you have to watch it right away. But, but when it's, yeah. um, but when it's not your first time, I think it is actually better to take your time and not burn. I agree time. with that. Yeah, that was a rewatch of The Sopranos when I watched eight episodes or whatever. I agree with you. That was on a rewatch because you're right. It's just like, you know what's coming, but you just love it so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I'm, that's actually funny that without saying anything at all, you started talking about The Sopranos a little bit because Luke and I have been comparing The Sopranos pretty consistently to Succession whenever we talk about Succession because they're both shows about terrible people. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But the, but the yeah. big one, actually, the way we started with Succession was also, um, we, we think of it as the Lannisters in the modern day, like the Lannisters from Game of Thrones, because Tywin Lannister is kind of like Logan a little bit, where he treats his kids like shit, and they're also a really rich family. So there's a lot of different ways to think about it. And they're all power hungry, and they all shit on each other. Exactly. Yeah, I can see that. So like, if the, if the Lannisters existed in today's world, they'd be pretty similar to the Roys, <laughs> yeah. we feel like. I think that's probably true. Um, yeah, okay. I guess last thing I would just say, do you have any predictions on like any betrayals coming or what do you think might happen? Just anything in terms of what's to come? Well, after this, now I think that Tom is nefarious and he is going to dupe the family because I think he's put up with enough of Shiv's bullshit. And yeah. oh yeah, and remember in last episode when he says, do you love me? Yeah. No, no, no. Shiv says it to him. He's oh like, yeah, do yeah, yeah you love me he doesn't respond or something and he doesn't respond right away yeah and he and after a couple a couple minutes of chatting he comes back and says yes i do love you so yep. i think that is the turning point in his mind where he's decided that he is off the shiv and tom boat yeah yeah because he's been tom one thing i love about tom is like he actually is one of my favorite characters at this point like top three probably because seasons one and season one he's just so weird you're like what the fuck's wrong with this guy but season two he's just such a punching bag like everyone just uses him as a punching bag like the family treats him as a joke obviously the most brutal stuff is the way shiv treats him because it's a friggin such a toxic relationship she's such an asshole to him and then oh, yeah. I, season one was crazy with tom because he's so weird with greg and yeah. he has this like weird codependent but in like toxic relationship with his wife or his fiance 
like you're just like who is this guy are mm-hmm. you like a total scumbag or are you like mm-hmm. this sad pathetic guy or like what he's is so hard deal? to read he's so hard yeah. to read and you kind of start to realize over the seasons and episodes he's just kind of he's just kind of an he's more innocent than the others he just married rich and now he's like stuck in this position and like he he genuinely did love Shiv like it really seemed like he's in love with Shiv and like the way the family uses him he's just kind of a goofball stuck in this like really brutal world where he's not as brutal as the others well you see that when Shiv tries to have a threesome with him on the boat yep and he can't do it it's I don't think it's because he's like scared I think he honestly is like I'm in love with you I only need or want you and you keep trying to bring other things into our relationship and it's fucking with me yeah and that was that, so telling. And then that beach scene, so satisfying. Oh when he my finally, God, that beach scene. He finally tells her, he's like, oh, he's like, maybe I'd be, he has like a really good line. It's like the sad I feel without you would be less than the sad I feel from with you or oh something. Oh my God. I, like, on rewatch, that was like a punch to the gut. I was like, yeah. oh, can you imagine someone saying that to you? Yeah, it was a punch, but I, I found it satisfying because I wanted him to stand up to her, man. Like she treats him so poorly. Yeah, um, it didn't even seem like she cared that much. Yeah, she was like kind of surprised by it more than like hurt by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty um, telling for her character. Yeah, yeah, but I agree with that prediction though. You think Tom's finally had enough and he's going to do something. Yeah, yeah, I think he could be the first to make a move, but also Greg could be also Roman. Like there's so many possibilities. I'm so excited. And there's definitely something with Jerry and Roman coming. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that. What about I'll, you? Do you have any predictions for? I don't have anything like concrete, I'd say. Um, other than the Tom one, I do think he's done with being on the family side. Um, I guess I'll stick with the Greg and Tom one. I think Greg will be with Tom. I think they're going to put that pairing back together in terms of their allegiances, not just like scenes together. Um, and I mean, then, yeah, I guess, well, the big thing we have coming now is the investigation because <laughs> they're fully in the building now. So something big is going to happen with Logan and in, in the, in the investigation. I think we'll definitely get a Kendall and Logan scene soon. Um, and then also, this isn't a prediction at all, but do you know about the, the cast coming for this season? Oh, like, um, what's his name? Uh, the pianist, what's his name? Yeah, Adrian Brody. So yeah, Adrian have... Brody, thank okay. you. Yes, I, did I didn't know. want to spoil that. So, like, and I that think the be... Skarsgård is coming too, yeah. isn't it? Uh, I forget which Skarsgård. Peter? Peter or Alexander? Alexander, you're right. Yeah. I think it's Alexander Skarsgård. There's so many Skarsgårds. But yeah, that's. Yeah. Was the... I'm curious who they're going to play. I have no clue. Like, um... Did you see the preview for the next episode? Because, no, I didn't. Um, I know I don't, Adrian I don't Brody watch those. is in the next one. Okay, that's exciting. So there he's you go. Coming. That's fucking exciting. Okay, and I, didn't I think know there's that. a private island involved. Okay, we'll see what happens. I'm so yeah. pumped. Um, yeah, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and if you ever want to do it again, uh, we'll see what happens because this was a lot of fun. Um, so thanks to anyone who listened, and uh, we'll see you in the next one.